0: Such a beautiful sense of God's presence in the house this morning. Aren't you glad today that when we come together as the body of Christ, God meets with us every time, we can worship Him? So So much of an honor to be able to speak this morning for those that I haven't met yet. Uh, my name is Spencer, and I'm the pastor of senior student, student ministries here at the church. In other words, youth and young adults. and uh, I'm just so thankful that Pastor Paul will give me these opportunities to share. Pastor Paul is a wonderful leader, and I'm just so blessed and honored that he continues to pour into me and give me these opportunities. He's a wonderful teacher of the Word, and it's awesome to be able to sit under his ministry and to learn. This morning, the title of my message is Stand Up and Fight. Stand Up and Fight. And I think we can all agree that there has been a lot of fighting going on lately. We don't have to look too far to see it and to hear it. And the reality is, is that there are many things that people are fighting about. But what I'm going to tell you to fight for this morning is not something that you're going to hear on the news. It's not something that you're going to see in the news. And let me also say that there's nothing wrong with fighting for things that you believe in. There are many issues that our world is currently facing that are important. But today I'm talking about fighting for your spiritual condition. Fighting for your spiritual life. And look, there are battles all around us that we can fight and that we should fight, ones that are important. But in the process, let's not neglect our own spiritual battles that Jesus paid his blood for us to overcome. You know, in the Western world, what we think of as an advantage, the advantage of being able to practice our faith quite freely can sometimes actually become a disadvantage because all in all, we can have misaligned areas of our life or battles in our life that we leave unattended and really, for the most part, still make out okay. We can have areas of struggle or things that we know are not quite right in our lives and still live relatively decent lives. But the problem is, is that everything is okay until it's not. Just ask anyone that's been through drug addiction, do you think that they just woke up one day and decided that they were going to be a drug addict? No, that's not how it works. When we allow things in our lives to go unchecked, even if they seem small at the time, they can compound and bring destruction into our lives. And not to mention the fact that the Lord has beautiful things available to us when we align ourselves fully with him. And we can miss out so much for the sake of our ease and comfort in what God wants to give us and wants to bless us with. And so my challenge for us today is that we would stand up and we would fight for our own inner spiritual condition, our personal walk with the Lord. Our text for this morning is found in Luke 22, verse 39 to 46. And if you have your Bible, you can turn there. We'll have the verses on the screen as well. And this is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so just prior to this, Jesus was meeting with his disciples in the upper room. This is the the night before he goes to the cross. And in the upper room, of course, he, he speaks into the lives of the disciples. He prays for them. He washes their feet. They partake in the Lord's Supper, which we now know as communion. And then just after this, We pick up here in verse 39. And it says, And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, or the Garden of Gethsemane, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done." Where they ate the passover meal jesus goes here into the garden of gethsemane and these verses are some of the most raw descriptive narrative portions of the bible and when i personally read these verses i try my best to visualize and feel what is happening this is the night before jesus goes to the cross and he knows what lies ahead of him he knows the battle that he is about to face listen to the description in verse 44 It says, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. This experience of sweating blood is an actual physiological response that comes from extreme anguish and physical strain. It's an actual thing. It comes from intense pressure and intense stress. It's a condition called hematidrosis, where your capillaries that are located just under the the uh, the surface of your skin actually burst and then mixed with your sweat this is the agony that is he is in this is him agonizing over what he is about to face and in verse 42 he cries to the father and says if you are willing remove this cup from me nevertheless not my will but yours be done and at first thought you would think that this cup that he speaks of is the physical torture and suffering that he's about to go through as you can imagine, it would, be unima- it would be so unbelievable to think about what he is about to face, physically speaking. But that's actually not what he's agonizing over. He's actually agonizing over the fact that he's about to experience separation from the Father as the sin of the world is placed upon himself on the cross. And to him, there is no physical pain that could ever equal the pain of being separated from the Father. And what if we agonized over our own spiritual condition more than we did our physical and our societal comforts? What if our priority was being right with God and not the million other things that wage war for our attention and our affection We need to stand and fight first and foremost for the victory that Jesus won for us so that we can walk in freedom and in love and empower to be his witnesses to the broken world around us because we cannot do that if we ignore the battles in our own lives. The reality is is that we all have things in our lives that keep us from experiencing the fullness of of a relationship with the Lord. And that doesn't mean that you don't love Jesus and that you're not saved. But if we were all fully honest, we can admit that there are things that get in the way sometimes. And maybe others you would say that, no, it's actually really obvious. I know that I'm not where I should be with the Lord, that there are strongholds in my life that keep me from Him. And I don't say any of this to bring condemnation at all. We know that God is full of grace and mercy, and His heart is not for us to be weighted down with shame and guilt for the areas that we fall short. As we sang about earlier, his grace is enough. But we cannot allow our misrepresentation of God's grace to make excuse for our passivity. There is work involved in the Christian life. Hard work, painful work. And that doesn't mean that we're saved by our works, but it does mean that we have a responsibility to resist temptation and to push back against it. There is a cost. That cost is self-denial. And learning to deny ourselves, though painful, is a great weapon against the enemy that ultimately brings freedom and victory into our lives. God didn't call us to a high standard and call us to self-denial in order to ruin our fun. He didn't do it to just take away our comfort and say I don't want you to enjoy life. He did it to protect us. In the garden of Eden, God didn't tell Adam and Eve not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil so that he could restrict them in some way or hold them back from something good. That's what the devil told them. That's the lie that the devil told them. The devil said if you do this, you are if you don't do this, you are missing out on something good but that wasn't God's heart. His commandment was to protect them because he knew what the consequences were going to be. True victory has a cost. There will be suffering, but in the end, the fight is worth it. 1 Timothy 4, 7 tells us, Rather train yourself for godliness. We have a responsibility to rise up to. But the beautiful thing is, is that God gave us everything that we need to overcome, as He has given us Himself. And Jesus has been there. Hebrews 2:18 says, "For because He Himself, talking about Jesus, has suffered when tempted, He is able to help those who are being tempted." And so, how do we get the victory? Well, I wish there was an easy answer. To that question but there's four things that i want us to realize this morning from luke 22. the first one is that pain is part of the process of victory facing your fight head-on will always involve suffering but suffering will be involved anyway so why not choose the suffering that will actually lead to the victory as jesus was in agony In the Garden of Gethsemane, he was in agony as he was betrayed. He was in agony as he was beaten. He was in agony as he was nailed to the cross. And most of all, he was in agony as the sin of the world was placed on his shoulders. But on the other side of his agony was the victory. The changes that we need to make in our lives will always involve discomfort. But on the other side, the victory is worth it. The second thing is that Jesus' victory came through his full submission to the will of the Father. He pleads with the Father and says, Take the cup from me, but not my will, but your will. And wouldn't it have just been easier if the Father just took the cup from him? And he didn't have to go through all that. Wouldn't it have been easier if he would have just done it another way? And I know I myself and I'm sure many of you would agree that we've said that to God at some point we just said, God, just snap your fingers, just, just do it this way, do it my way, and make it all better. And certainly he does that sometimes. And even the Jews, they thought the victory was going to come, or some of the Jews thought the victory was going to come in a different way. They thought the victory was going to come by their Messiah defeating the Romans in military battle and freeing them from their oppression. But true victory probably won't come in the way that we want it to. It will only come when we are in submission to the Father. You see, the victory of Calvary was actually won in the Garden of Gethsemane because it came when Jesus resolved his submission to the Father. And that's not to say that prior to that he didn't live in submission to the Father, but but it's where his final personal battle was overcome, where he declared, not my will, but yours be done. And from there, he just stepped into the, the... crazy things that he was about to go through with confidence and endurance and fulfilled God's redemptive plan. The third thing we need to understand is that God is with us. He provides the strength that we need. Verse 43 says, And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. We are not left in the battle with our hands tied behind our backs. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us if we know Jesus. And when we call upon the name of the Lord, he is there in full force. But the problem is, though, that we can think that if we are still experiencing pain or suffering, then that must mean that God isn't with us. And so we give up, and we never get the breakthrough. Imagine if Jesus had done that. But instead, we need to hold God to his promise And trust that he is, in fact, with us. And that we can push through the pain and reach the other side. And the fourth thing is the incredibly good news that Jesus has already won the victory for us. Romans 8, verse 2-4 to says this, And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you. From the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Hallelujah, that is good news this morning. Jesus has already won the victory for us. And see, his bravest battle, it wasn't fought with a sword in his hand where he went out cutting off heads, but instead it was a fight in submission to the Father, in confidence and endurance, as he sweat blood, as he cried tears, and then willfully got up and put out his hands to be arrested, walked up the hill of Calvary, spread out his arms as they nailed him to the cross, and let his blood drip down and breathed his last, as he cried out, it is finished, Jesus has won the victory. So we need to stand up and fight. And friends, I'm not trying to minimize anyone's struggles or circumstances. I'm not saying without compassion, just shake it off and do it already. It's easy. I have my own battles that I need to fight. I know what it's like. I've been there and I'm there now. But here's my question for us. What other choice do we have? What is the alternative? We can lay down and we can allow the devil to walk all over us or we could stand up and we could fight and we could grab a hold of the victory that Jesus Christ paid for with his blood. What other choice do we have? This summer, I had the privilege of taking a little bit of vacation time, And during that time, my dad and I planned a small trip to spend the night in a cabin out in the woods. And, uh, and this is a pretty unique cabin. It's a, a place. it's in New Brunswick, and you know you drive to the middle of nowhere, and then you drive another hour into the woods, further into the middle of nowhere. And it's this beautiful little cabin. It's the only cabin uh, on this lake. It was built back in 1932, and it's actually open to anybody that wants to go in and use it, but not many people know about it, and it's really hard to find. My dad and I took a couple trips there when I was a kid and some really awesome memories from my childhood, but it had been almost 25 years since I had been there last, and... uh, we have been saying for a long long time that we need to go back and we need to make a trip in and really every year we say that and it just never happens And the years go by the years go by but finally this year just my dad and I we made this trip into this cabin and we had a crazy adventure just him and I and I won't get into all the details of what that involved but it did involve getting the truck stuck over a bank in the middle of a downpour in a thunder and lightning storm and then getting the truck uh, broken down and then hiking 10 kilometers to find cell reception so that we called my brother to come bail us out. It was uh, awesome memories with my dad. I wouldn't trade it for the world. But when we when we finally settled into the cabin, that night as we sat around the candlelit cabin, cabin my, my dad started telling me stories now if you knew my dad you would know that he loves to tell stories and I gotta hand it to him he's got some pretty good stories but usually this is how how it starts this is how it goes him saying "Did I ever tell you about the time to which I respond yes dad you've told me a million times but I know you're gonna tell me again so just please go ahead and that night of course was no exception But then he said to me, I'm going to tell you a story that I've only told a few people. He said he had never even told his parents about it at the time when it happened, and and I will disclaim that I have asked his permission to share it this morning. And as he began to set up the story, I just felt like there was something different about it. He told me that back in the late 1970s, he was working on a drill ship up in the, the high Arctic, it was off the coast of a place called Tuktyuktuk. I love saying that name. And it's at the very top of the, the Northwest Territories, kind of close to the top of Alaska. And so the drill ship was uh, a rectangular vessel that they would go out, and of course they would, they would find their spot where they were going to drill. Once they found their spot, they would pin themselves into place. and so. Each corner of the vessel, they had a long chain that had a hook of some sort on the end, and they would pin themselves into place, so that would pull it nice and tight, so the vessel would be stabilized, and they could drill. Now, on the Pacific side of the, the Arctic Sea, which is where they were, when the weather warms up, they get what's called ice flows. And this basically means that as the weather warms up and the ice begins to melt a little bit, all kinds of chunks of ice kind of form together and then basically flow with the current of the ocean. And as you can imagine, these ice flows could be absolutely massive and extremely powerful because of the, the, the power of the ocean. And my dad was working on this ship, and, and he's a welder by trade, and it was getting to the time of year that they would have to stop drilling and they would have to pack up and, and go back to the mainland. And one day they got word that there was an ice flow that was actually coming in their direction. And it wasn't a panic because they knew how long it would take to reach them. And so they started to do the process of getting themselves unhooked and unpinned or whatever they needed to do so that they could start going back towards the mainland. Now the problem was the fourth pin on one of the corners wouldn't come out. And so they they kept working at it, and I don't exactly know how that all works, but they kept working on trying to get this fourth pin unhooked so that they could continue on. But time was starting to run short. The flow was quickly approaching them. Now, my dad was on the off shift at this time, and so he was in his cabin in his bunk. All of a sudden, the May day alarm started going off. And as soon as this began to happen, he knew exactly what was going on. He said by instincts, he just jumped out of bed, jumped into his coveralls and boots, and started running for the deck of the ship. And as he started telling me this part of the story, he had to pause to gain his composure and wipe his tears. And this wasn't my father. And it was at this point that I knew that this is why it felt different so he ran out onto the deck and of course there's panic happening out there and the ice flow is upon them at this point and it's against the vessel and it's beginning to push the ship upwards like this at an angle and of course everything is happening so fast and my dad being a welder by trade he started yelling to people to grab the acetylene torches and if you you know what those are. They're used to cut metal. They're usually held on a, a cart where you've got a big oxygen bottle and acetylene bottle and a big hose with a torch to the end of it. And so he's yelling for people to grab it, and they're grabbing the cart, and they're running as fast as they can across the deck, and, and it's just it's panic. is all they could do. They have no time to think. And the cart is going down the stairs, and my dad's jumping over the railing, trying to get in front of it. And as he's going, again, the the ship, the vessel is being pushed upwards. He found out later that three people actually jumped overboard into the Arctic Sea. And so he's trying to get out ahead of it. And as he's running, it's all in full motion. And he's uncoiling the hose. He's uncoiling the hose as he's going. And he's trying to run out ahead of the cart. And as he's going, he's taking his lighter and he's lighting the torch as he's going. And he's yelling to them to turn on the bottles. And he's running as fast as he could to get out to the corner of the vessel. And as you can imagine, by this time, there's so much pressure on this chain that's holding all of the weight. And so all he can do is he can get there as fast as he can and he, he goes over and he reaches out over the side and because of the pressure, he's, he has no time to think about what would happen if he does this. There's no time at all. There's no time to think about safety. He just acts. And because of this intense pressure that's on the chain, all he does is he barely touches it with a torch and it immediately explodes. Probably a sound that he will never, ever forget. And as he does that, the ship comes down and crashes against the water, and it begins to teeter back and forth, back and forth, and then levels out. My dad stops. He turns around. He can't speak. He can't look at anybody. There's people all out on the deck. He just looks straight forward. And he just begins to walk through the people, he walks back down into his cabin, he opens the door, he sits on the edge of his bed, puts his hands in his face and just begins to weep under the weight of what had just happened. A couple minutes later, he gets a knock on his door. It's the captain of the ship and the chief engineer. And they come in and one sits on the bed beside him, one sits in the chair, he says, Michael, if the ship had just tipped a few, more degrees, a few more degrees, the whole thing would have overturned. You just saved the lives of all 200 people on board this ship. My question for us this morning is will you get out of bed? You might feel like your ship is sinking. It might be sinking and you might not even know. You might have an ice flow that's barreling down on you. Are you going to get out of bed? Or are you going to lay under the covers and just hope that it passes you by? I'm going to invite the worship team to join me. Maybe this morning needs to be your Garden of Gethsemane moment. Your moment where you determine in your heart that no matter how painful it will be to fight your fight, that you're going to do it anyway because you know that on the other side is the victory, because you know that Jesus already paid the ultimate penalty for your victory. In the same way that Jesus in the garden as he knelt before the Lord and he cried and sweat his blood and cried tears and cried out to the Father and had resolve in his spirit to say yes, no matter what God, no matter what it takes, no matter what I have to do, no matter how painful it's going to be, no matter what the struggle is, I'm going to resolve to do it, and then I'm going to get up in full confidence and endurance and walk up the hill and fight the fight. We all have battles. We all have struggles. They might look differently for every single one of us. They do. But we need to face them Because God has beautiful things in store for every one of us. And his heart isn't that we would be weighted down with the pressures of the pain and the suffering that we need to go through. i ask everybody to just close your eyes. And I want to just spend a minute where you have an opportunity to sit before God today. Get resolve in your heart of what it is that you're facing or what it is that you know is just back off in a corner somewhere, unattended, that you just don't want to deal with. That you would say, even if it's through tears in your eyes even if you would say God I wish you would do it a different way not my will but yours be done resolve in your heart that when you walk from this place you have the confidence and endurance to face it head on today is your day because the battle has already been won and I believe God began some things during worship this morning as we sang that song break every chain I believe that process was started maybe even finished for some but open your heart open yourself to what it is that God wants to do. Don't, let, don't allow yourself to just think, oh, I just want to get out of here. It's Sunday and go have lunch. You're here anyway. You might as well face your fight now. Just going to take 30 seconds of silence. Just want you to do business with the Lord. God, we thank you for the work that you're doing right now in this moment. And we pray that by your spirit, you would move in every heart, that you would bring resolve, and that you would do what only you can do. The victory has already been won, and I pray that we would grab a hold of that victory here today. Let your glory come in this room, as we declare that the chains will be broken, as we declare the victory that you have made, as we look upon you, your face, your holiness, your goodness, come and do what only you can do. Thank you for listening to the GT Moncton podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, contact info at gtmoncton.com. Follow us on social media at gtmoncton, or check out our website, gtmoncton.com. Have a great week and God bless.